أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Welcome to our tafsir series page by page in which inshallah ta'ala we go through a page of the Quran and make a tafsir of it We are currently on verse number 25 and the page beginning with verse number 25 in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Give those who believe and do good deeds the news that they will have gardens flowing, uh, graced with flowing streams. In the previous episode, we concluded with the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that spoke about those people who turn away from His signs and they turn away from the guidance that is contained within the Qur'an, and they turn away from the prophethood and the messengership of the Prophet ﷺ, that Allah has prepared for them a punishment of the fire that will be eternal. Its fuel is men and stones. And Allah often in the Qur'an, He joins between fear and hope, between reward and punishment. Allah often if He speaks about the believers, He speaks about the disbelievers. If He speaks about the reward of one group, He speaks about the punishment of the other. And so that is because Allah always balances between the two. So for those people who have Iman, they can aspire and hope towards that reward of Allah And as a deterrent and to strike fear in those people who turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah mentions His punishment and destruction of them. So here after Allah spoke about the punishment of the disbelievers in verse 25, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the good reward of the believers. And Allah begins by mentioning it in a very beautiful way. Allah says, And give glad tidings. Who is being told to give the glad tidings? Our Prophet ﷺ. Give glad tidings to who? To the believers who do righteous deeds. That shows that if you want to attain Jannah from the off, that if you want to be from those people who immediately enter into Jannah, because they will be believers and Muslims who may by Allah's will be punished in the fire for a certain amount of time to cleanse them from their sins before they eventually enter into Jannah. But if you want to be from amongst those people who immediately enter into Jannah without any punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without having touched the fire by Allah's permission, then be from amongst those people who have Iman and who have righteous deeds. What is the glad tidings that these people receive? Anna lahum jannat, that they will be given gardens. Tajri min anhar under which rivers flow. Gardens, therefore everything which is green and everything which is beautiful and everything that that contains that you can not even possibly imagine because the Prophet told us وسلم, concerning Jannah and its reward, he said, In Jannah there is that which no eye has seen, no ear has heard and no mind can possibly imagine. We have concepts and words but their reality is something which is beyond our imagination. It's beyond our imagination. Human intellect, our brain, does not have the capacity and the ability 
to imagine the reality of what Allah has prepared. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us snippets. Allah gives us highlights. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us certain things that we may understand a portion or understand at least the general broad concept of the reward that Allah has prepared for the people of Jannah. And it will have within it rivers that flow, rivers of water and rivers of undiluted milk and rivers of honey that are pure and rivers of of wine that doesn't intoxicate, everything will be prepared for the believers. Everything that they can possibly want, when they want it, how they want it, they will be given that in Jannah and they will remain in that bliss for eternity. <coughs> Allah Azza wa goes on to describe some of the beauty of Jannah and he says, كُلَّمَا رُزِقُوا مِنْهَا مِنْ ثَمَرَةِ الرِّزْقًا قَالُوا هَذَا الَّذِي رُزِقْنَا مِنْ قَبْلُ Allah says whenever they are given sustenance from the fruits of these gardens, they will say we have been given this before because they were provided with something like it. The people of Jannah, if they want fruit, they will be given fruit. And whatever they wish to eat, however they wish to eat, that is something which they will be given. And Allah often in the, in the description of Jannah, He focuses on these two aspects. Number one is the physical terrain, if you like, the landscape of Jannah, because it is from human nature to covet, Beautiful landscape. We go to the desert or we go to uh, wildlife, we go to nature, we go to the countryside, we go to places, ocean views, all of these things because human nature is that we covet beautiful landscape. We love to see that which is beautiful and pleasing to the eye. It relaxes you and it makes you feel content and peaceful at heart when you go and you look upon such things. So Allah describes Jannah in the way that people like in a manner which which is pleasing and enticing to people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often describes the food and the drink of Jannah because part of human nature is to relax with food and with drink. It is from human nature that you go out with your friends and with your relatives and you meet over food. You call people to your home and you meet over food. Or you go to visit others and they present to you food. From good hospitality is the sharing of food and of drink because that is also from human nature. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the food and the drink of Jannah and He says whenever they are given sustenance from the fruits of Jannah, fruits that you can't even imagine, their names may be the same to the names that we have in the dunya, but the reality of them is extremely different. They will say we have been given this before and that is because the fruit of Jannah, when you're given one fruit and you're given another one, it is just as nice, just as delicious, just as beautiful to look at, amazing to smell, and amazing to eat. When you have in the dunya a, a, a bowl of fruit, someone gives you a bowl of fruit, or you go to the shops and you buy fruit. If you have a packet of fruit, it is often the case that you will find one or two pieces of fruit that are perhaps going off that aren't very sweet to eat, that aren't as good as they should be, or maybe they haven't fully ripened. There is always in a basket of fruit, some fruit that maybe doesn't reach the level of your, or it is sometimes you know a trial and error in the sense that you may find certain fruits that are very nice to eat, but when you go back to the same shop the next day and you buy another one, it's not as nice to eat. Allah is saying that all of the fruit of Jannah is amazing. Each one of it is as good as the last. And each one of it is as amazing as the one that you've eaten before. <coughs> Allah says, Because they were provided with something like it. Some of the scholars of Tafsir said that those fruits will be similar in name, but different in taste. And others said that they will be similar in color, but different in name. 
Another said what it means that they will be similar to one another, meaning each one, as we said, is as beautiful and as delicious and as amazing to look at and eat as every other food that Allah has prepared in Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues with the description of the rewards of Jannah and He says, وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ مُطَهَّرَةٌ They will have therein pure spouses. So not only will they have amazing landscape and places that they will reside in, not only will they have the most amazing food and drink, but they will have amazing company as well. That will give to them peace and contentment and solace. They will be pure spouses, meaning that they will have nothing that is impure, neither in action, nor in thought, nor in belief, nor in, in, in terms of what they look upon or what they think or how they behave or their character or their mannerisms. They will be pure in every way because Allah has created them in such a way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will remain therein forever. It is bliss that is eternal. There will be no death. There will be no end. And from the most amazing descriptions of Jannah is that the people of Jannah in Jannah do not become fed up. They don't become bored because it is very, very, uh, very akin to human nature. That sometimes even when you live in a place that is beautiful, a place that is amazing, a place that other people may love to travel to, but you, when you see it day in and day out, it becomes boring to you. You become accustomed to it. It becomes something which just becomes part of the norm. And so therefore you want to go somewhere else. And that's why people from one country, even though millions of people will come to their land to, to spend their vacation and their holiday, they will travel to a different land because for them that place is essentially the same and it is normal day to day. But the beauty of Jannah is that you never want to swap. The beauty of Jannah is that you never want to change. The beauty of Jannah is that it never becomes boring or the norm or the same. It's never the day in Jannah. A day in Jannah is never that it's something which I did yesterday or it's the same as every day or it's the same all the time and there is no change. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it in that way. And so the beauty of this verse is that Allah azza wa tells us who is the one giving the glad tidings, to whom the glad tidings are being given to, what those glad tidings are and how you attain those glad tidings. The glad tidings are being given to the are being given by the Prophet and they are given to the believers. And those glad tidings are the glad tidings of Jannah with all of the rewards that they with, with all of the rewards that Jannah contains. And the way that you achieve that reward, those glad tidings, is by having iman and by doing righteous deeds. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala calls them righteous deeds because to show you that by doing them, you become righteous. And you make those around you in society righteous as well. When you obey Allah and you do what Allah commands of you, not only are you good within yourself, but you rectify those around you. When you help the poor and the needy and the weak, when you give people their rights and you don't go overboard in demanding your own rights, when you don't oppress and you don't harm, when you don't do anything which Allah has prohibited, not only do you rectify yourself, but you rectify those around you as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then in verse number 26, He says subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَحْلِي أَنْ يَضْرِبَ مَثَلًا مَا بَعُوضَةً فَمَا فَوْقَهَا Allah Azza wa Jalla does not shy away from drawing comparisons even with something as small as a gnat or larger. Allah Azza wa Jalla says that He is not shy of setting forth parables and comparisons. And that is because it is said that some of the Quraysh made fun, 
Some of the disbelievers made fun of the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ. Why is your Lord, why is your God always giving forth these parables and comparisons? Why does Allah say the example of this is like that and the example of this? And sometimes those examples may be very small. As Allah mentions, for example, in the Quran, the example of those who worship besides Allah, other gods, is like the example of the spider's web. Why give an example of a spider's web? It's so weak and so flimsy. And so Allah says that he's not shy of giving forth those parables. And in this there is an amazing lesson because this surah is telling us how the Muslim should believe. We've began this surah by speaking about the categories of believers. And then the way that Allah commands us to believe in him and the signs that he's given to us. And now the reward and the punishment of those who believe or disbelieve in those signs and in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is saying that the believer is the, is the one who takes the signs of Allah who takes the lessons of Allah, who takes the parables and the examples that Allah has set forth and his comparisons and he benefits from them. And that is why Allah says, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ As for those who believe, they know it is the truth from their Lord. So they believe in it, they accept it, they learn from it, they benefit from those lessons. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, as we mentioned in the previous episode, the example and the parables of the hypocrites, and the example that Allah gave of the fire, and the example that Allah gave of the thunder and the water and the rain and so on, Allah gives those examples so that you can understand better and you are more able to comprehend what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to you. If you're from the believers, you accept and you take that guidance and you learn from that guidance and you apply it. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَيَقُولُونَ مَاذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا مَثَلًا But as for the disbelievers, they say, what could Allah possibly mean by such a comparison? يُضِلُّ بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا Through it, Allah makes many go astray and Allah leads many to guidance. The believers are those people who accept the guidance of Allah through his examples, through the stories of the Quran, through the commandments that are found, through the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. As for the disbelievers, they always question. They always say, but what does it mean? And how? And why? And they have endless questions because they don't actually want to learn. They don't actually want to take the guidance. They don't actually want to believe and apply what Allah is saying, but rather they want to debate. People of endless questions people of open debate that actually don't want to attain a single resolution. And that's why the people who are sincere in guidance, when they come to you, they'll have a question and they'll listen to the answer and response. And they'll soak that in. And then if they have a follow-up question, they'll ask you. But those people who are insincere will simply wait for a question or a doubt that they think will trip you up. And once you begin to respond, they'll change to another doubt. And then the third and a fourth and a fifth or a fifth and sixth question. Not because they, and that's because they don't want the answer. They haven't listened or waited for the response. But what they want to do is jump from one to another. And this is also a warning, therefore, to the Muslims, the people of Iman. That when you're told that this is the religion of Allah, this is what Allah commands, this is what the Prophet ﷺ commands, don't have these characteristics of disbelief. That when someone says, do this, or Allah commands you to do this, you ask why, and when, and how, and you don't even wait to understand, but you have 10 follow-up questions already. Rather than seeking guidance, you open up the door to endless debate. And that is why Allah says that through these types of comparisons, these types of parables and lessons, Allah guides many and Allah misguides many. But it is only the people of evil that go astray.
And it's only those who don't want guidance from Allah, who don't want to accept the guidance of the Qur'an or the message of the Prophet ﷺ, those types of people are the ones who truly go astray. And here again Allah is referring to the corruption and the evil that takes a person outside of the fold of Islam. For a believer to hear that something is from Allah or the Prophet ﷺ and then to ignore it out of laziness or following their desires, it is in and of itself a grave sin and something that should be stayed away from. But it doesn't take a person outside of the fold of Islam. A single major sin doesn't take a person outside of the fold of Islam unless they believe that that major sin is something which Allah has made halal or that it's something which is halal for them to do. However, those people that Allah is referring to, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to here are those people who have fisk of the heart. Their belief is one of corruption. They don't want to accept the guidance. They are people who have disbelief in their heart. And Allah then describes their evil describes the attributes of these people who are rebels and people who go astray. And he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ أَهْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ وَيَقْطَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلَ وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ They are those who break their covenant with Allah after it has been confirmed, who sever the bonds that Allah has commanded to be joined, who spread corruption upon the earth. Indeed, these people are the losers. There are those people who break the covenant with Allah after it has been confirmed. What is the covenant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between us and Him? It is that we would worship Him, that we would believe in Him, that we would come obey Him subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of His commands and stay away from all of His prohibitions. As the Prophet said وسلم, in the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari, he said, O oh, Mu'adh, and Mu'adh replied, Labbayka ya Rasulullah wa Sa'adayk, I am here ready, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet وسلم, said, O oh, Mu'adh, what is the rights of Allah? Mahaqullah al-ibad. What are the rights that Allah has upon his slaves and servants? He said, Allah and his messenger know best. The Prophet وسلم, replied that the right of Allah upon his servants is that they worship him alone and don't associate anyone in worship with him. And then after a while, the Prophet وسلم, called Mu'adh again and he said, O oh, Mu'adh. And again, Mu'adh responded, لَبَيْكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَسَعْدَيْكَ O Messenger of Allah, I am here and ready to respond. The Prophet وسلم, said, وَمَا حَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ What is the rights that Allah has given to His slaves over Himself? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, Mu'adh replied, Allah and His Messenger know best. So the Prophet وسلم, replied, The rights of the servants is that if they do as Allah commanded, meaning they worship Him alone, stay away from shirk, Allah يُعَذِّبَهُمْ that he wouldn't punish them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the covenant that Allah took when he extracted each and every single one of us from the loins of our father Adam as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran, When Allah extracted each and every single one of us from the loins of our father Adam السلام, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked us, do you not believe? And all of us attested that we believe in him and worship him alone subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah took that covenant from us and now those people of fisk of evil, they break that covenant. And they break every single tie and bond that Allah commanded to be joined. The tie of iman that Allah commanded to be joined. The tie of belief and following the Prophet ﷺ that Allah commanded to be joined. The tie of accepting the Qur'an and following it in its guidance that Allah commanded to be joined. And then the tie that we have in our kinship around us, our parents, 
our family, our children, our relatives, the people who have rights upon us, our teachers, our neighbors, all of those ties that Allah has commanded. They cut off that which Allah commanded should be joined. And this was one of the key things that we know that the Prophet brought. And that is why the hadith in Sahih Bukhari of Abu Sufyan when he went to uh, the Byzantine Roman Empire, Hiraqal, and he stood before Heraclius and he was questioned about Islam. And this is before Abu Sufyan becomes a Muslim himself. He was asked from the questions is, what does this messenger order you with? What does he command you with? And Abu Sufyan replied, he commands us to worship Allah alone. And from what he commands us to do is to have modesty and we should join the ties of kinship. That's one of the key things that the Prophet ﷺ commanded. That we join the ties and bonds that Allah has commanded us to join. وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ But these people instead spread corruption upon the earth. They spread corruption through their disbelief, through their hypocrisy, through their sin, through their disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ These are the true losers. Losers in this life because Allah won't bless them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give them guidance. Allah doesn't shower his specific divine mercy upon them or his forgiveness or gives them his spiritual, his divine aid and help. And they will also be the losers of the next life because Allah will not give to them mercy and, 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 and reward. But rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will throw them into the fire. And so this is a warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The believers are those people who take the commands of Allah and they draw lessons from them. The disbelievers are those people who turn away from the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. And instead what they do is everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited them from. The believers are those people who when they hear Allah said do something, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam do something, they hasten to the best of their ability and they're human, they make mistakes, they sin, they're forgetful, all of those things, but they hasten to the best of their ability to comply with Allah's commands. And when they do sin as they must, when they sin and they forget, when they're overcome by the whisperings of shaitan, they always turn back to Allah eventually. They always go back to Allah making tawbah and seeking his forgiveness. And the best of them are those who hasten towards tawbah after sinning. But as for the disbelievers, they are people who continue to disobey. People who continue to oppose Allah and His Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So Allah subhanahu wa taala then in verse twenty-eight He asks a rhetorical question to show the fallacy of these people, to show the disbelief and uh, that they have and the fallacy of their disbelief. That Allah azza wa jalla says in verse twenty-eight: "كيف تكفرون بالله وكنتم أمواتاً فأحياكم ثم يميتكم ثم يحييكم ثم إليه ترجعون." How can you ignore Allah? When you were lifeless and he gave you life and he will cause you to die, then you will be resurrected and you will be returned to him. How can you disbelieve in Allah when you were nothing worthy of mention? Doesn't Allah often say in the Quran, do not people look towards their own creation, how they were created from a drop of sperm? That is the beginning of humankind. Or before then in the time of before the creation of Adam السلام, that they were created from clay and from dust and from sand. This is the origin of humans. But when people come to this life and they live upon it and they grow and they mature and they have the power and the strength of their bodies and their minds, they think and they walk around as if they own the earth. That nothing can harm them. That they will live forever. That they have eternity. But very soon through disease, through illness, through old age, through weakness, through sudden death, they know their reality. 
Allah is saying, isn't it more befitting that a person realizes that reality before it's too late, that they understand their true nature before it's made abundantly clear to them? How can you disbelieve in Allah when you were dead, you didn't exist? So Allah then gave you life. And then after life, you see that you will die all around you. You see that everything will die. ثُمَّ يُحْيِيكُمْ And He will resurrect you and you will return to Him. And a sign of that resurrection is that which you see around you in the life of, of vegetation and plants and so on and how the life cycle continues and works. And if Allah can do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to resurrect as well. And that is what Allah Azzawajal says in the final verse on this page, It is He who created all that is upon the earth for you. Everything upon the earth Allah Azzawajal has made for you, that you may live a life of worship and subservience and submission to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And within this verse <coughs> is one of the evidences that the scholars of Islam used to show that generally speaking when it comes to issues of living and life, Everything is halal and permissible unless the sharia says otherwise. So generally it is allowed for you to use the earth and to dress as you please and to eat as you please and to do whatever you please unless the sharia says don't eat such and such a thing, don't dress in such and such a way, don't wear certain types of jewelry for men and so on and so forth. Those are restrictions. Everything beyond them is made halal. Allah says He created the earth for you that you may reside on it, that you may see its signs, that you may contemplate over its creation, that you may use it as a place for you to come closer to Allah Azza wa worship Him and have Iman in Him. Then Allah turned towards the sky and He made the seven heavens. Allah Azza wa uses the word istawa in a number of ways in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the meanings of the word istawa is that something reaches its maturity and its completeness. For example, in the statement of Allah concerning the Prophet Musa when he reached maturity and completeness, Allah says we gave to him knowledge and we gave to him wisdom. From the meanings of istawa, and especially if it is used with the word ala, is that Allah ascends to ascend and go above. And when Allah for example says in Surah Taha, Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa, Allah ascended above the throne in a manner which befits his majesty subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when the word istawa is used with the word ila as it is done here in this verse, then it means to turn towards. Allah Azza wa Jal created the earth for you and then he says subhanahu wa ta'ala that he turned towards the heavens and he created seven heavens as well, showing the path of the power of Allah Azza wa Jal and his ability. And it is Allah who has knowledge over all things. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the heavens and the earth in this intricate, intimate detail, with all of the things that you benefit from, the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the oceans, the rivers, the oxygen, everything that we have in the dunya, we benefit from because Allah has placed each and every single thing in this intricate place within his universe, all as a sign of his tawheed of Allah, the tawheed of Allah and the sign that he is deserving to be worshipped subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with that we come to the end of this particular page and inshallah ta'ala we begin our next episode inshallah ta'ala with the beginning of the story of creation the creation of our father adam alayhi salatu wassalam barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh bismillahir rahmanir rahim 